Hi everyone, I'm Gary Knoll. Always a pleasure to be able to share an empowering hour with you, and we do have that today. From Charit University Medical Center in Germany comes a study about rose hips. Back in the 1970s, the common way of using vitamin C was to get rose hip powder and to use oh, anywhere between one to five grams a day. That doesn't mean you're getting a thousand to five thousand milligrams because only a certain percentage of it is going to be broken down as to vitamin C. But anyhow, it was very good, safe, effective, uh, and really a strong source of vitamin C. Well, now, new research, clinical research, has shown that rosehip powder can significantly reduce the severity and symptoms of rheumatoid arthritis. Well, that's a big deal, since millions of Americans suffer from rheumatoid arthritis. And how most people treat it today is generally with some form of non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. That's dangerous because you can die from those. In fact, tens of thousands of people die each year from using these medications, even aspirin. And the most common form is what is called anti-tumor necrosis factor alpha and other drugs like that. But they're expensive also, as well as having side effects. One person for one year using anti-TMF can spend $16,000. That's a lot of money. Well, now they came up with a double-blind study, that's good, at the University Medical Center in Berlin, published in the peer journal Phytomedicine. And what they found, these were mainly women taking five grams, that's 5,000 milligrams, that's a small amount, of encapsulated rosehip powder or a placebo every day for six months. And what they found, in addition to regular rheumatoid arthritis treatments, they found a significant benefit. And by the way, these women had had rheumatoid arthritis for at least 18 years. That's a long time of suffering. Well, the good news is that the participants who had the rosehip powder had a 25% improvement in activity and a 40% decrease in the number of joints causing discomfort or pain. And uh, the placebo group did not experience any of these. So, one more thing that you can add. There are a lot of things you can do for arthritis. That's just one rose hip powder. From Shahid University of Medical Sciences, a plant-based diet, good vegan diet, builds up your immune system that makes you less susceptible to COVID-19 severity. And this was a cross-sectional multi-center study. And they all came up with the same findings. That if you eat a healthy diet, a plant-based diet, your body's immune system is stronger. And that means if you're infected with COVID-19 variants, you're gonna have less extreme outcomes, more beneficial outcomes. Now, we already know from thousands of studies that vitamin D3 and vitamin C and, and magnesium and zinc, if you're deficient, you're not going to have a good outcome to most diseases, and it can actually cause diseases. But if you have good amounts of all these, what your body needs, your immune system is strong, you can fight most diseases and prevent them if you combine healthy diet the proper supplementation, exercise, and stress management. So, 
We've been saying this, in fact, if you remember, at the very beginning of COVID, I wrote two articles. One was just on the nutrients from the National Library of Medicine proven to have antiviral properties. In fact, the first study anywhere that I'm aware of in the world with an intervention on COVID-19 was in Wuhan, China, at the hospital. They used 24,000 milligrams of vitamin C intravenous on a daily basis, and they wiped out COVID-19. That was very important. Now, you would have thought with that initial double study that someone said, hey, vitamin C intravenous, non-toxic, knocks it out, builds up the immune system, strongly antiviral. No, it went nowhere. And then I did a second study on the ideal way of building up your immune system, assuming that we would all be infected, those of us who had the strongest immune system would fare best. And that actually turned out to be true. Now they're saying the same thing in this study. From Harvard School of Public Health showed that those who eat just two servings of red meat per week, not every day, per week, are at an increased risk of type 2 diabetes. When I was growing up, my mother, who was like all other mothers, wanted to do right by their family. And when you think of how much time and energy and focus and discipline and patience that it took, imagine being a mother with all boys in the family. That was my family. And you could have just imagined with all different personalities and, and the joy of just being young and a child, Mom was always there, very patient with us. Never once heard her yell, or never. She just didn't have that type of personality. But she believed that you had to have meat and milk and wheat three times a day. She believed that sugar was not bad. She believed salt wasn't bad. She believed that uh, frozen foods, a TV dinner was fine, because that's what she saw on television. Back then, they had, they didn't have dietitians uh, telling people what to do on television. They had home economics teachers. What that has to do with our diet, I don't know. But people would tell you about feed your family these, you know, pyramid group of foods. It was all a lie. None of it was based upon real science. It was the commercial science, uh, science for hire. But we believed it. All right. Now, I didn't like the taste of meat. I didn't want to eat meat. And uh, I remember once my mom gave us liver. And man, she says, now eat this. It's good for your, it's good for your iron levels. And no, I did everything I could to try to hide it in my hand and then take it up and flush it down the to toilet. I think my mom knew. She knew everything. I remember once it was 8 o'clock at night. And it was, sun was still out. It was summertime. But I had to be in bed as a kid at 8 o'clock. That was the rule, right? Lights out. But there's light outside. And my, I knew my buddies were out doing something. So I went out, climbed down the roof on the pipe. As I'm climbing down the pipe, and then suddenly I passed the kitchen. There's my mom looking at me. And she just goes with her finger, back up, back up. <laughs> well, we, we ate what we were told to eat. And it was not good was not healthy. The healthy part was going outside as a kid and being a kid, you know, being able to run and play and 
do all the things kids do and yell and scream and wrestle. And it was wonderful. Yeah. You know, if you came back scratched or something torn or, you know, they'd put some, something on it and that was it. No big deal. We were not over-parented. We were not over-protected. We were getting more than a good measure of common sense and life. Learn your lesson. Don't do that again. And we didn't. But when it came to our diets, everyone ate the same food. You go into any supermarket, the only lettuce you had was iceberg lettuce, worthless lettuce. And tomatoes that, well, tomatoes they could have used in a softball game and never broken the skin. They were tasteless. And uh, most of the food was overcooked. People didn't know how to cook. They boiled everything to death. Yeah, it's just my experience. So when I asked for it, my mom would make me potatoes and mashed potatoes. And, uh, but then she'd make vegetables. <laughs> I never knew... I never knew a carrot from asparagus because she overcooked everything, so it all looked like mush. And then just put salt and pepper. That was the only thing we had. Never used olive oil. Used lard. Imagine that. wonder why people died so early. But in any case, we're still doing that today, except we have a far worse diet today without the exercise, without the stress management that we had then. In fact, we're eating far more meat. Every year, the meat consumption goes up. Partly because when you see a commercial, and I just saw a commercial where they not only give you the hamburger, right, with the iceberg lettuce and some slop on there, but they also give you french fries with lots of sodium. In fact, you can get far more than 3,000 milligrams of sodium. Body only needs 800 per day in just the french fries. You can have 5,000 milligrams of sodium in one fast food meal because now they've added onion rings. So you get onion rings, which are just white flour, and basted, and on onions, and then deep fried. Now I can assure you there's not organic onions. And once you fry an onion, deep fry an onion, it's just all toxic, trans fats, and french fries. And they're both loaded with sodium. And then you get, now you get not just a hamburger, but you get bacon on top of the hamburger. And then hash brown potatoes on top of that, and then cheese on top of that. My God. And we wonder, why, Gary, I don't know why we're overweight. It must be a virus or genetic. I'm sure it is. No, it's because people profit off your following their advice. Do you think any of these advertisers, these products, or the networks that allow that, make money from the advertising, care about your health? No, they don't. You have to care. So what this study is showing, so what we are now seeing from this Harvard study is you're eating way too much meat. Mind you, all you need if you're going to eat meat is one forkful for that meal's about 20 grams of protein because that's all your body can handle, 20 to 30 grams at a time. You eat an average piece of meat in a restaurant, you're eating a week's worth of protein in one meal and you're getting a week's worth of sodium in one meal. And we wonder why we have, I don't know why we have high blood pressure. I don't know why we're overweight. I don't know why we're diabetic. Couldn't have anything to do with all that sugar we're consuming. Yeah, it has everything to do with that. In this particular study, what they found is that when they gave a person some mindful meditation and then showed them images of negative outcomes, you know, really bad photographs, the people were better able to deal with it. 
they weren't as reactive. And that's one of the things that meditation does. It allows you a sense of calm. It allows you a sense of emotional balance, so you don't overreact. And we should be doing it. This was published in the Journal of Frontiers in Human Neuroscience. And finally, in this study, this is an important study because this is the Central University of Punjab in India. It, they used a phytochemical found in ginkgo biloba. It's called ginkgoloid, G-I-N-K-G-O-L-I-D-E-B. And when you take that ginkgo, the phytochemical in it, helps prevent a lot of the neurological pathologies, including Alzheimer's disease. The science of it is very technical. I don't want to go into the oxygen, nitrogen species, and uh, you wouldn't possibly understand that. But just take your ginkgo biloba each day. It can help as one measure of preventing Alzheimer's disease. And that's the latest on health and healing. We're going to take a break and come back. By the way, go to Gary All YouTube or Rumble or Odyssey channels and look up each day my classroom on the air. And I do it on all types of issues, all, all spectrum issues. It's free. It's insightful. It's always extemporaneous. I just look at the cameras I'm doing now and talk on an issue. But to share important insights. Classroom on the air every day. And go to GaryNall.com for all my latest articles. Back in a moment. Please stay with us. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Gary Nall. Look around you. Look at the world. Look at all of our major institutions that we've relied upon historically. Look at the various governmental agencies that are supposed to help us to prevent crisis. From the Environmental Protection Agency to the Food and Drug Administration to the USDA, they're all there, supposedly, to see that we are better able to make informed choices. Every single agency of government is corrupt. Everyone is inefficient. We probably could cut the national budget by 50 to 70 percent, still be able to get more effective government and services, but we don't. Everything just keeps growing, and the more it grows, the more dictatorial it becomes, the less rights we have. And now they want impelled speech. They want, uh, they want to send you to jail if you say something that a corporation or government agency doesn't like. And where's the opposition? Well, it's there in different ways. Look at Bud, Budweiser. They, uh, they've lost about 30% of their total sales. They were number one beer for years and years. Now they're not. And it's not going to come back because people are not so forgiving of things that were thrust in their face and told you've got to believe, you've got to accept, you've got to support. No, they don't. I'm going to do two parts on this program today that I believe will give us a better understanding of the world we live in, the problems and our solutions. The first is a lecture that I did at the Ethical Culture Center as a fundraiser for WBAI in 2012. It is a calm lecture, it's methodical, and I lay out what we had then as a problem that we were facing. Now we're facing the same identical problem. You'll hear at the beginning, I'm talking about how long it took us, years of a lot of work and debates around the United States. I personally went to over 50 cities. 
allowing time and time to try to convince the American public that your rights to select a supplement, if you chose to, were being taken away by the FDA, who wanted to make all vitamins and supplements, herbs, drugs. In fact, it was so bad, if you even mentioned that a particular nutrient could help prevent a condition, then that was making a false claim, which case that was punishable. Yes, for example, if you said, I'm going to take some vitamin C because it helps the immune system, couldn't say it. Well, we won that debate in the Deshaies Amendment, which protects us saying supplements are not drugs and therefore can be taken uh, as we choose. But now it's back. Senator Durbin wants to take away the same rights using the same playbook, all supported by Big Pharma, because after all, if you want to lower your blood pressure or help your diabetes through diet and lifestyle modification, that would challenge the drug industry, take away some of its profits. And dare we do that. So that's back again. In fact, everything I talked about in 2012 is back again. That's the first discussion we're going to have. Then, I watched something over the weekend that really impressed me. Because I haven't heard anyone, not known Chomsky, Howerson, no one talked about it the way this gentleman does. And it was extemporaneous. It wasn't a prepared speech. He was being asked a question. I don't know who he is. I don't know anything about his background. All I can tell you is what he had to say was absolutely spot on. And it's for those who are deep thinkers. And we've got a lot of deep thinkers in this audience. One of the reasons a lot of you come to this program each day, because you know I'm not going to do a, a lazy program. I'm not going to, you know, repeat stuff. I'm not going to, I'm not going to pick the low-hanging fruit. This is a deep dive discussion, one that you have not heard and you need to hear it. It's about Western civilization. And then time permitting, we're going to offer what the biggest solution should be, the number one priority for helping stop global warming, if we have time. Let's go to the clip now. I'd like to welcome all of you. I hope that this film that you're about to see will inspire you to pick up a telephone, to email, to share this information with other people. When the film is completed, we're going to give you as a gift three separate documentaries as you exit. We're going to give you Death by Medicine, Prescription for Disaster in this film. They all relate to the in medical industrial complex. The reason I decided to do this film is because of what I saw in the 1980s, where there was a move by the Food and Drug Administration to deprive us of our freedom of choice. The FDA felt that they had the power to claim that any food or nutrient that would make any difference in our health could not be discussed. In other words, you couldn't say that you could have broccoli because it had an anti-cancer agent, or you couldn't eat carrots because it provided vitamin A, which helped improve the chances of you not getting night blindness. In fact, they were so radical that they said you cannot make any claim at all for any food 
to heal or prevent any disease nor any nutrient to do the same. I debated the commissioner of the FDA. I, I debated many people. I went around the United States. I went to 55 communities. I was on the ABC radio network at the time and WABC. I had a very popular program. And it gave me an opportunity to inspire the audience that I had and had accumulated over many years on ABC to think about something as simple as, do you want to be able to take vitamins if you choose to? Because if the FDA has its way, you will not have that choice. As a result, due to those efforts and those of the National Health Federation and other individuals working within the health field, we were able to get the FDA defeated. They literally lost this one, and we ended up having passed by different individuals to Shays, which protected you and has up to this point. But then in the last two years, there has been an accelerated effort on behalf of our federal agencies, including the USDA and the FDA and the White House, both the Bush and the Obama White House, to put into positions of power more than 100 individuals from major corporations, over 40 from just Monsanto alone, where they now oversee our health. For example, one individual who was a top lawyer at, the F, uh, at Monsanto came over and became a top official at the FDA, allowed genetically engineered foods to get a green light, then went back to Monsanto, then came back to the FDA as head of food safety. This time around, sponsoring legislation and uh, a particular bill, the, the uh, food safety bill, 510, which at the outside, but you'd say, why? We have dozens of laws to protect us from bad foods and drugs or dangerous nutrients. Why would we need another? And when I looked carefully at it, immediately I saw what it was about. It was a very clever in-run where the FDA and the USDA and those people behind the scenes, now we know those are ALEC individuals before for years, we could never figure out how every state suddenly won the same bill. Every state won the same law. Mandatory vaccinations of Gardasil. How does, how does every single one of the 50 states end up passing the same legislation at the same time? But we couldn't find who was behind it. We were told no one's behind it. We are conscientious state legislators wanting to protect our citizens and vaccination gives them immunization and we want to guard the health of our young daughters. We did not have the evidence on our side to push back. Once it was exposed a year ago, or within the last year I should say, that there was a large group of individuals joined together, paying dues, McDonald's, many of the Coca-Cola and all these other mega corporations who work together to meet once or twice a year with state legislators, give them bills that protected their interest and deprived us of ours, that would open up them to be able to manufacture gas hydrofrac in New York State without any thought of cleaning up their mess. By the way, that's actually a, the law now in Pennsylvania. If you make a mess, and in Ohio specifically, in Ohio, if a gas hydrofracker destroys the environment, they don't have to clean it up. The citizens do. That's how well 
done the legislation was, but not for the people of the state. Now that they were exposed, I ask our audience, boycott all ALEC companies. It's working. About two dozen of those companies originally belonged to ALEC at least have distanced them themselves. And many state legislators, dozens, have now vowed they will not go to any more ALEC meetings. But they're only about 10%. At most of all the legislators who've sat down with ALEC and sold their soul. Then they come back pretty much being guaranteed that they will have the support of those companies in their upcoming re-election campaigns. But what do they get in return? When a legislator gives a dollar, one dollar, they get over a hundred dollars in value back for it. So it's a good investment. So think of them giving four billion dollars, billion, through some 55,000 different consultants who do not have to register, specialist advisors that do not have to register, lobbyists who do. As a result, with the 530 members of Congress, when you then divide that by the number of lobbyists, they're overwhelmed. They're, they're swimming in a sea of cash. Everything they will ever need, the incumbents have. But what we do not have is we do not have a federal government a White House or a state government that is there to pass bills that defend our health and our environmental health. When I saw what was happening, did you notice how many bills began to pass that had national security written all over them? But it had nothing to do with protecting us. It had to do with major corporations being protected from you showing your right of dissent. Habeas corpus, gone. The right to sue the individuals who had illegally wiretapped our phones, which were all of the telecommunication companies, gone. They gave them immunity, including Barack Obama. Protecting those who had read our emails. All of your emails are read. All of your phones are tapped. They have the right to do it, and they're using that right. Why? Since we, since when did we become terrorist suspects? Once you start a bureaucracy, it never ends. The trouble is in our society, we have never looked carefully at what our governmental agencies have become. In my personal opinion, all governmental agencies have become metastasized cancers on the heart of the American public. These are not bureaucracies that are there to defend us, the military-industrial complex, with $1.3 trillion in expenditures. How much do we need to actually stay safe? About $200 billion a year. Then why are we spending such an enormous amount of money? Because those colonels and majors and generals and procurement officers and, and others who were in the Pentagon and the military-industrial complex then go to work for the very defense contractors, Raytheon, Halliburton, and then walk right back in the governmental agency saying, you need this system. But this system costs $20 billion. It'll take 10 years to develop. And by the time it's developed, it'll be antiquated. So what? It'll bring jobs to your area, some jobs. And it's good for you, but not for the American public. In every agency, National Institutes of Health, the for-profit insurance agencies, the pharmaceutical industry and the for-profit hospital associations have joined together 
And just look at the log of the lobbyists that go to the White House. Look at the individuals who have sponsored legislation to keep you from being able to, if you needed an inexpensive drug, to get it in Medicare, Medicaid, or VA. You can't. They wrote the law. They wrote a 1,200-page-plus law, the Medicare law. No member of Congress read it. They voted on it in the middle of the night, and within a short period of time after that, the people in Congress, who were members of Congress, who pushed that lobby for it immediately went to work for very high-paying jobs in the pharmaceutical industry. And today, we have this monstrosity of a health care plan. And it is not whether it's right or left, it's just wrong. It will not prevent any disease. There is nothing in the Obama health care plan that will prevent disease nor give you the option of having the best alternative therapy if you have a condition that needs help. To the contrary, you can be fully insured today, go into a hospital with a life-threatening condition, and the hospital can refuse, the insurance company can refuse to pay for that bill, which throws you suddenly into a catastrophic event. For over 10 years, the number one reason for bankruptcy was our health care bills. We just couldn't pay for them. Now, after the great bubble collapse in subprime mortgages, it fell down to second or third place, but it's right back up there again. Now, we have 90 million Americans who are over 47 years of age. There's not one single person in the entire United States government who has created any program to care about your health as you get older. Now, how in the world can you have 90 million people who are at risk of Alzheimer's, dementia, Parkinson's, inflammatory conditions, heart disease, stroke, diabetes, and no one is doing anything to prevent this at all because they're not paid to prevent your disease. They're rewarded for profiteering off your disease. That is a nation of medical parasites. I decided no longer to walk up and gently knock on the door of bureaucracies and say, will you please pay attention to us? I decided to do a documentary that we'd win and kick the goddamn door down. Our problems have nothing to do with Democrats and Republicans. I am apolitical. This has everything to do with right and wrong, and that is completely political. We have to understand that we have been treated as if we are incompetent and incapable of making reasonable and rational choices in our life. Those of us who chose to eat healthy, to eat a high-fiber, raw food, living food, vegan diet, to flood our body with phytonutrients, healing enzymes, the chlorophyll that is essential for our body and DNA, we were considered, until still to this day, are considered nuts. We're considered crazy, we're considered loons, we're denigrated. For the doctors, the scientists, the professors within their fields who have looked at the evidence and it is so overwhelming they say, I can no longer deny the truth of what really causes a person to stay well and what reverses disease, these people were delegated to the sidelines. They were taken out of their sacred positions of trust within the orthodoxy. Why? Because in America today we have only one truth and that is official truth. 
If you do not believe in the official truth, then you're considered of no consequence in the dialogue. You will not find those in philosophy, education, in medicine, in finance, in environmental studies, in social work, in anything relevant who are challenging the status quo, invited to share their thoughts. So all you have is an official media, the New York Times, the Washington Post, Fox, MSNBC, all the major media are official representatives of the official truth. So even if you could take a cured patient with absolute proof that they have been reversed in their disease by your therapies and using natural non-toxic, they must deny it because it is not official. But if you were to cure someone using the most toxic drug in the world, you would immediately be praised for that, and you would be the leader of a new generation of healthcare based upon the model you've created. So we accept abject failure with chronic care in the United States, arthritis, heart disease, cancer, inflammatory diseases, digestive diseases, depression. There is no major success and yet we give them over $2.7 trillion this year, and yet those in the alternative field, those holistic nurses, chiropractors, nutritionists, dietitians, massage therapists, all the people who are qualified, credentialed, who are seeking the right answers outside of the paradigm, helping their patients, they're given nothing, zero. Now, it's one thing if you had some people who were denied. They deny everyone. Why? Surely there must be some doctor somewhere you could give some credit for and say they've done it right. They can't. Understand they can't. Because once you allow the virus of change in, they cannot control it. No different than if, if you had the right information for the right protest on the right issue and you went like Bill McKibben and stood with 12,000 others over several months and 1,200 of you arrested, the media only covered that when Daryl Hannah was arrested. It was only of interest to the official media when an official celebrity was arrested. Otherwise, no media coverage of any consequence. But then did anyone do anything? No one did anything because they weren't forced to. At the very time that these people were gallantly and with bravery, including Chris Hedges, standing forefront and saying, you cannot do this without a pushback. And that person is there, Cornell West, and, and, uh, and Chris Hayes and others who spoke out about this uh, and did something about it, they weren't giving any attention. If you're not famous, you don't make a headline. If your cause is not important, it doesn't get attention. Unfortunately, in this world, you're not important. The only significance you have is you're an economic commodity. You've been commodified and commercialized and as long as you don't act out, speak out, or change, you're a perfect person for the system. When you defy them and you pull back, now you are radical. Isn't it amazing? Giving a woman synthetic hormone replacement therapy that by all science increases her risk by 13% minimum of a heart attack, stroke, breast cancer, ovarian cancer, colorectal cancer, dementia, that's not radical. But giving Vitex, Squalvine, Passion Fire, and Don Kwai to help reverse hot flashes in a woman, that's radical. How absurd is it when they control the dialogue and the vocabulary to take good work that is empowering women and pathologize the women 
as if they're just another series of diseases to which orthodox medicine and official input from their scientists are the only cure. They're the disease, and we no longer should allow them to impact our thoughts. I would like to thank all of you who are watching from around the world. The last time we did this, nine months ago here, and I want to thank the good people of the Ethical Culture Center who have been so hospitable to us, always gracious and always accommodating, that we ran out of space on the internet. So many people were trying to watch. We made sure that doesn't happen today. I believe that several million can watch this and without having a problem. We're going to begin in just about a minute. Following our program, we will then take a 10-minute break for you to stretch, and then we will reconvene. We'll take this out of the way so you can all watch from over here at the screen, and uh, we will have a panel. You will have some remarkably unique insights into what the FDA has been doing. The FDA now has taken the power of Congress which is the only power authorized to create laws unto itself. And you will hear from one of the best lawyers involving FDA litigation in the country, and they now want to make it against the law for you to be able to buy a vitamin that has not first passed their impossibly expensive up to anywhere from 30 to $600 million to get a single nutrient passed under their conditions. It would mean the end of all supplementations. But also, if we do not fight back, it will mean the end of organic gardening. Because in that Senate bill, they have a whole system of bureaucratic paperwork and machinery that a small farmer would have to have. Otherwise, they would not be considered passing the rules. It would put them out of business. So by doing nothing, within a year or two, you might not have any organic produce or supplements that you could take. If they see otherwise, they are liars. But they're liars in any case. Anytime anyone in Washington opens their mouth, they're lying. They're incapable. And we've had enough of it. We've had enough of the pandering. We've had enough of the shills for the left and the right, the talking heads on MSCBC, the foolish notion that somehow we should believe them. Today, at the advice of my brother Stephen, who's been a major activist, and my brother Stephen, who's here, was responsible for getting the lead out of the gasoline in India. No small measure. No one had done it before. He's done it. Also getting the lead out of... He also managed to get the lead out of the gasoline in the Dominican Republic, got a heart-lung machine, which they never had, plus chelation therapy for the children in India and chelation therapy for the children in the Dominican Republic. And every pregnant woman in the Dominican Republic gets free prenatal vitamins because of his work. So I'd like to acknowledge my little brother. Where's he at? Stand up, Steve. Last night, he said, why don't you invite President Obama and Mitt Romney on, not for debate, but to discuss the health care plan and see what their ideas would be. Well, today, our producer, Richard Gell, we sent President Obama an invitation, a cordial invitation, to come on the show and allow for a discussion of 20 points. And we shared our 20 points of concern. 
Would he come on and say how he would deal with these 20 issues? Same thing with Mitt Romney. My hope is that they will take advantage of this and come on and share with us their concerns. So I'll let you know if the feedback is positive coming on. If not, it isn't. We're going to continue going forward. So now let us turn off all of our cell phones, please. And we will watch. It's about an hour and a half long. And I also want to acknowledge the people who spent well over a year and a half working with us on this. Uh, Richie, back here. Val, back here. Our executive editor and senior producer on this. And in the very near future, just so you know what's coming, because I believe we're in a perfect storm. I believe that within the next 24 months, America will face social challenges. Oh, boy, that was prophetic. Everything I discussed then is manifest now. Oh, and by the way, for those of you in the corporate, uh, in the corporate Democratic Party who've done nothing honest, or legitimate or to help to get a wise America bring jobs, living wage jobs back into the inner cities so that Camden, New Jersey and Chicago and Detroit and Newark become thriving cities again. And that could happen, but it can't happen as long as you stay corrupted and you're not going to change. You're not going to acknowledge what you've done wrong. That's just the nature of sociopathic behavior and unbridled power. But remember when Biden said, I don't have any business, my son. Well, it's come out. The Freedom of Information Act lawsuit against the National Archives has now revealed that then Vice President Biden in office under a pseudonym sent 19,335 emails to Rosemont Seneca, his son's business entity, 19,335. He also sent 4,243 emails uh, to his son directly, 1,751 emails to Jim Biden, his brother, and 3,738 emails to Jim's Lion Hall group. Hmm. And Hunter Biden's, Biden's former art, a name, name Archer, uh, said that he was sitting there while Hunter Biden was working with his father, then vice president, on all these deals around the world in all these countries. And these are all corrupt countries and where he could make deals using the influence of the White House. So we have his word he didn't do this. And now adding it up, we have over 30,000 emails showing he did. And now he wants to executive order withhold those. Yeah, I would imagine he would want to withhold all of them. And none of these did we know existed. So keep defending people who lie every day, for, and that's what it is. Now, what we're about to experience is a short uh, discussion, and this is extemporaneous. Uh, um, a journalist is being asked a question about Western civilization and how we pride ourselves in being unique, and, and indeed we have done a great deal of good things and innovative things that help everyone, help the world. And for that, we should also take credit. But it's not the positive that we create that is concerned today that has brought us to the rank of World War III. It is the negative. And here's what he has to say in response to being criticized for using the word West 
or Western culture. Let's go to the clip. A number of comments have objected to you using the general term the West, and they want you to be more specific because there is no monolithic block called the West. It is an unfair generalization, they say. In a way, it's strange, if you think about it. It's strange that you don't want me to call you the West. You don't want everyone to be lumped together under that term. It's not my term, it's your term. I didn't come up with it, you did. You call yourselves the West. Western civilization. We all grew up hearing about how wonderful the West is. Western achievement, Western thought, Western enlightenment. You're happy to take collective credit as the West for whatever you think is good. But for the bad things, you want to disassociate yourselves from it. When you're talking about the bad things, then you're like, well, what West are you talking about exactly? Who do you mean by the West? The way you people tell the story, people like uh, Douglas Murray or Jordan Peterson or Sam Harris or uh, Richard Dawkins or uh, Hitchens, Christopher Hitchens, all these types, you would think that every European on the continent participated in painting the Sistine Chapel, everyone painting in shifts, all of you collectively invented penicillin from the telephone to airplanes, from the, the cotton gin to the microchip. You all did that as one gigantic team effort. We, the West, uh, abolished slavery. We, the West, gave women the right to vote. We, the West, developed modern technology. You like being called the West then, but just bring up one, just one, of your innumerable atrocities, and then everyone starts looking around. Who, who, me? Uh, you must have me mistaken for some other uh, person, some other West. Q, you know, Shaggy, it wasn't me. My forefathers didn't own slaves. My forefathers didn't slaughter the Native Americans. My forefathers were just poor, innocent peasants. I have nothing to do with it. Innocent as can be. You want to take collective credit, but you want to individualize blame. But you'll say that Isaac Newton, for example, is a product of the West. Michelangelo was a product of the West. Mozart was a product of the West. Leonardo da Vinci, Thomas Edison, Steve Jobs, they're all products of the West. But somehow your villains are all bastards. Illegitimate children that you don't want to claim. No. Hitler was your child. King Leopold was your child. Harry Truman was your child. A man who killed more people in a matter of seconds than anyone in the history of the human race. And not to mention every American president after Truman. You know, from the Korean War to Vietnam to the dirty wars in uh, Central and South America to Panama. The first and second wars in Iraq. Somalia, Afghanistan, Libya, Syria, and before Truman. I don't think that the United States has had a single decade in its history when it wasn't slaughtering some people somewhere in the world. These are all products of Western civilization too. But anytime these crimes uh, get brought up, you deny collective responsibility. I mean, if I try to list all of your crimes, I can't even remember them all. But if I try to list just the ones that I can remember, your battery will die before I can even properly get started. You know, I saw a video uh, the other day of Omar Soleiman, and he was asked by some lady, some woman, who asked him, why don't Muslims condemn uh, acts of terror by Muslim criminals? And he was trying to be patient, you know, his style. He was trying to be kind. He was smiling, a very forced smile. And he said, no, Muslims always condemn these things, but why don't you condemn when one of your people murders Muslims in a mosque. And of course he has a point, but also, of course they don't. 
Of course you don't condemn those things. You've got statues of Winston Churchill who starved millions of Bengalis and who used poison gas on the Kurds. You not only don't condemn your terrorists, you not only don't try them for war crimes as they should be tried, you re-elect them into office. Not just elect them, re-elect them. And you deny any responsibility for their atrocities. No, if you want to be called the West, when it comes to any positive achievements, then you have to accept being called the West for all the full catalog of inhuman, vicious, uh, genocide, murder, rape, torture, bigotry, exploitation, oppression, assassinations, coups, and subjugation, evil and brutality, all that your people have ever committed. That's why I always say Western civilization is a sarcastic term because you never civilized. And, you know, we made cool stuff is not a defense. Your approach to morality is uh, let's not and say we did. Let's not be moral but say we are. You think that righteousness is denying the evil you do, not stopping yourselves from doing the evil. As long as you say you don't do it, or you call it something else, then somehow uh, you're not evil when you do evil, as long as you don't admit it. It's upside down world. Every day is backwards day in the West. Bad is good, wrong is right. It's no surprise that you think that uh, a person should be called whatever pronoun they self-identify as, because that's what you've always believed. That's what you've always done. You self-identify as virtuous, as moral, as righteous, freedom-loving, tolerant people, even though you have never been that, and no one in the world sees you as that, but still you insist that that's what we call you. You insist that we deal with you as if that's what you are. You've always believed that the whole world uh, should participate in your self-delusion. So of course you came up with this idea that a man uh, should be called a woman and treated as a woman if he believes that that's what he is, or a woman a man. This isn't new with you. It's always been the way you believed. It's always been the way you functioned in the world. That uh, you believed that you had the right to defy objective reality. And that your own victims uh, had no right to define you. No matter what, you insist on your own blamelessness. And I'm telling you, how on earth do you expect to ever stop doing blameworthy things if you think that you are immune from blame no matter what you do? Yes, okay, your forefathers were probably poor peasants, I agree with you. They didn't participate in the crimes of the West. They didn't participate in colonization or imperialism. But then they also have no reason to take pride in the achievements of the West either, and neither do you. They were victims of the West in their own way, and so are you. If you want to disassociate yourself from the crimes, then disassociate yourself from the achievements and realize that you and your forefathers and your ancestors were all abandoned and betrayed and duped by propaganda about Western civilization. No one ever cared about your development or your forefathers' development. No one ever cared about your welfare or your forefathers' welfare. No one ever cared about your upliftment or theirs. No one ever cared about your life. Not yours, not your forefathers, not your ancestors. And the West doesn't care about you now. But here you are defending it. Like you have no self-esteem. Like you have no pride. You and I both know the West doesn't care if you starve to death. 
They don't care if you get kicked out of your home and live on the streets. If you spend the rest of your life drowning in debt, they don't care. If you fry your brains on drugs, they don't care. And if you decide that life is too hard, they'll help you kill yourself. That's the West. And that's what the West thinks of you. The West didn't raise you right because you don't matter to the West. They don't care if you have knowledge. They don't care if you have an education. They'll pass you on up to the next grade whether or not you can read or write because you don't matter. Every day of your life, your civilization all around you is shouting at you in a million different voices that you don't matter. You're just a replaceable cog in the machine. Everyone in the West is regarded as disposable by the West and still you defend it as the pinnacle of human refinement. You need to break that spell because you're living in a trance, a trance of uh, propaganda that's all designed to keep you oblivious to your own humiliation. But then you'll get mad at me for trying to tell you to break that spell, to break that trance. You'll get mad at me because I'm trying to tell you that you need to stop being humiliated. You need to stop uh, aligning yourself with the, the, the ones who are humiliating you. You need to stop aligning yourself with the ones that were humiliating your forefathers and that are humiliating you now. And you're going to get mad at me. But you don't disassociate yourself. I'm supposed to disassociate you from them. But you're not. Why should I disassociate you from the West when you don't do it yourself? I'm trying to tell you that you need to break the trance. I'm trying to tell you that you need to break out of the propaganda. You need to break out of the indoctrination. You need to break out of the programming. But you're going to get mad at me for telling you that. And you want to hold on to the programming. You want to hold on to the indoctrination. And then while you're holding on to it, I'm supposed to separate you uh, from the indoctrination that you're, that you're holding on to. So how are you supposed to change? Think of what he said. You could agree or disagree with him. But in my opinion, everything he said, every single thing about what is negative is, is correct. Now, we have a lot more positives, but the consequence of a positive has to be measured against the consequence of a negative. Have, has anyone challenged the mainstream media, the uh, Clintons, uh, Rice, and Obamas, for invasion of a, of a country that bore no... No responsibility uh, for a threat as a threat to the United States like Libya. All the thousands of people dead, do they not count? Supporting the war in, in the Ukraine, does that not count? Think of all the lies, and it's all lies. But the consequences of being wrong are, you know, like Hiroshima, Nagasaki, he was right. A man who with, with a minimal intellect and no spirit made the call. There was no reason, no legitimate reason to bomb Japan. And there were multiple people in the military at the highest levels saying not. He was never held accountable. No one in American power is ever held accountable for anything. That's on the public because you should not vote these clowns back into office. They're all sociopaths, in my opinion. We're going to say goodbye to WBI. They have to go to the news. We're going to continue at the top of the hour. If you have a statement you'd like to make, now's the time to make it. 888-874-488. 888-874-488. I have a whole week of programming lined up, and boy, do we have some solid statements. Tomorrow, a member of parliament just completed a three-year review of excess deaths and is going to share that. Nowhere else in the media are you seeing it. I got the clip from the parliament, and I'll be playing it tomorrow about what they found. 
anyone who watches this clip and understands the documentation of what he's saying would never, ever get a vaccine and would get their lawyer involved instead. Now for something until they tell me we got some calls. Our special today is the naturally source supremacy extra and rebalance your life. Why? Because I find so many people are having difficulty because their life is out of balance. At the emotional level, physical level, financial level, uh, all levels, their life is out of balance. How do you rebalance yourself? This is a lecture you've not heard. This is a new one. Plus, why should you be interested in a completely natural source vitamin C? If you're already taking the heavy dose functional vitamin C, remember to take this as well because this is this does not have ascorbic acid. This is all pure vitamin C. The kakadu plum comes from Australia. Amla berries, acerola cherries, 11,000 ORAC units per serving. Camu camu, grapeseed extract, green tea, pomegranate. The things that are in here are unique and you're not going to find them all together anywhere else from a natural source. Also, when you eat an orange, you're getting a certain number of ORAC factors, things that can trap free radicals that can help slow down the aging process. And uh, But here, I start with 11,000 per serving. There's no fruit or vegetable that I'm aware of that has that. You know, you get 100 here, 150 there. I get 11,000. How about that for really helping your body? And it's all natural vitamin C because it's all, all there. It's delicious tasting. So you're getting that. And with that, you're getting how do we manage to get ourselves into so many crises during the course of our lifetime? Rarely do we learn any of the important lessons from the challenges presented to us. Our ego stops us from learning. Our self-righteous indignation stops us. Our sense of sense of self stops us. We don't want to do what causes us to challenge our dark side, so we don't. So you end up with the consequences of dark side. Doesn't mean you don't have things you've achieved and mastered on the bright side. It means your dark side always limits you. Behind every disease is the dark side. We just haven't paid attention. Well, I do. So Americans now more than ever before facing a questionable and bleak future. How do we get here? And what is required for us to realign to a more productive and harmonious life? So I'm going to share tools and strategies for reaching a harmonious life where even though everyone around you is having problems and there's no solutions whatsoever from corporate or government agencies, you will have solutions not to be a victim of this yourself. So that's our package, and you're getting a 50% discount. The whole thing is only $59. It normally would be $116. So you need this for overall well-being, mind and body. Give a call, 877-627-5065. 877-627-5065. Or you can call Neil in the Vitamin Closet at 646 926 5430, or go visit him Monday to Saturday, noon to 8 at 35 West 35th Street, right off 5th Avenue, 12th floor. Or you can just go up on GaryNall.com and order it yourself. It'll go out today. But this is quite simply, from my opinion, as, as a scientist, nutritionist, dietitian, etc., this is the best vitamin C ever produced. It's all natural. Now, I take both. I take, I take the 
Supremacy Extra, the natural source, in the morning in my smoothie. And then I take the Advanced Supremacy, which is real high potency. This is about 800 and some milligrams per serving, but it's got more ORAC. It's got that 11,000 ORAC, and that is super, super important. Thank you all for watching, and have a nice day.